This is the Casper and Chris podcast. From News Talk KBOI, Boise. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. <laughs> blah 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 i want to suck your blood it's october 31st it is halloween let us be the first to tell you happy halloween that's the same voice as a hey you kids get off of my yard <laughs> oh welcome to a uh, final day of october halloween I was hoping that maybe there'd be some candy out front, as there has been in the past. Mm, it's kind no. of scary. There is no candy for us this morning. Yeah, I didn't see any either. So um, I- instead of uh, tricks uh, or treats, we're going to trick them. I don't know what we're going to do yet. but I'm sure you'll think of something by like 10 o'clock. 27 degrees in downtown Boise. We get underway for a Tuesday morning, so a little cool out there. It's going to be a little cool for those of you taking the kids out trick-or-treating tonight. Um, Harrison Boulevard, by the way, a uh, very popular place to trick-or-treat. That, by the mm-hmm. way, is an understatement. And with that being said, a uh, reminder for you, mass of trick-or-treaters that will be heading to Harrison Boulevard tonight. Um, keep in mind, it will be closed to all vehicles beginning at 3 o'clock this afternoon. 3? So, really? Yeah. So if you want to uh, drive Harrison Boulevard, you're going to have to find a way around it because from 3 until 11 tonight, only pedestrian traffic will be allowed which means people walking mm-hmm. yeah all right uh other tips from ada county highway district and driving tonight uh ensure your headlights are uh, on early they'll help you to spot the uh, little kids who are wandering the neighborhood so also uh help those on foot um and wheels to see you coming and keep in mind when when kids it's not like usual i mean kids don't pay attention a lot of times but Especially when, number one, they're wearing a ghost costume with two eye holes cut in it. They're <laughs> probably not able to see, and they're excited because they just got a uh, large-sized big hunk in their bag. So they're not paying attention to you, so you need to pay a little more close attention to them. Big hunks are still a thing? Uh, big hunks are still a thing. I still yeah. love them. All right. I don't think I've had one since I was about 10. And they're about a dollar cheaper than regular candy bars. Remember back when you were about no, 10? No wonder you love them. No, remember back when you were about 10? You used to be able, my grandfather would uh, give us each a quarter and say, here, go get yourself. Remember when, ham- <laughs> that that shows how old we are. Remember yeah. when candy bars were a quarter? <laughs> They're now like a $1.99. I remember, I remember taking 25 cents to the, the movies and like getting uh, two different things and getting some change back. <laughs> So he used to give us a quarter, and uh, my brothers would come back, you know, and they'd buy a Snickers or a Butterfingers or something like that, and I'd come back with five big hunks because they sold them for five cents a piece. It's like marathon bars. Remember those? Marathon bars were good. I don't know if they even exist anymore. I don't know if there's too many candy bars that I could, could come up with that I don't like. 
I mean, there's some that I like. Yeah, that's true. Than I mean, others, but I mean, you were talking about candy corn being terrible oh, the other day, yeah. and see, I like candy. I like candy corn just fine. I mean, that go away first. Like, yeah. I, like, like I said, I'm not that picky when it comes to candy. Not a big fan of candy's uh, kind of a yes or no question with me. Three Musketeers. What kind of candy do you want? Okay. Yeah, if we this is, I mean, we could have candy corn sitting in our house in a bowl, and it would stay there for years. Really. And here's the thing about candy corn. It would say stay this it would taste the same three years later too. It's one of the few candies that, you know, doesn't lose much when it comes to no, it's like twink- taste or consistency. Twinkies and cockroaches. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Half life of plutonium, basically. Um coming up this morning, we're gonna have a little bit of fun with this, uh this, throughout the morning. First of all, it is uh Bronco Tuesday. We're gonna be talking about golf with Bob Beeler coming up here they just ended their uh fall season so we'll talk about that coming up at about eight thirty-five this morning um 40 percent of americans who were uh t- took part in this recent survey um said that they have experienced unexplained phenomena in their homes and we're just going to ask you this morning you know 40 percent is a pretty large number um have you ever had anything go bump in the night? Things you couldn't explain, things that freak the hell out of you. So, like a schnauzer wouldn't count? No. Okay. That's not unexplained no, phenomenon. Can, That's a dog. You can explain a schnauzer. You can't explain what they do, but you can't explain a schnauzer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I I will say that um, we have family members in our house, that our old house, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, that was torn down after we moved. Uh, that a hundred, and maybe that's the reason they tore it down. They didn't get a good feeling inside. Mm. Um, firmly believe that something was going on in that they house. They walked in, hey, this is a great house. I love it here. Get out. <laughs> ah, I can't oh, stay. We got to go. 208 336 3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. This is something we'll talk about this morning. If you want to share uh, your ghost stories or haunted house stories, uh, feel free to do that. Um, We'll talk more and give you some of the details uh, of this survey uh, also as we go throughout the morning this morning. Uh, um, You can also, in addition to uh, giving us a a call, you can email us. We understand that sometimes you don't have time to wait on hold to talk to us and tell us your story. So you can email Chris at KBOI.com and Mike at KBOI.com. The stock market went yesterday. Over 500 points up on the Dow. Oh, okay. I was going to say, was that a good noise or a bad noise? Yeah, that was a good noise. A bad noise would be... Um, Over 500 points. It's the largest one-day game on the Dow in uh, months. And as of right now, Dow futures are up 52 points. Now, as good as that all sounds, you can take that with a grain of salt because... Even though it was up over 500 points yesterday, it still didn't get us to where we yeah. were last Wednesday. <laughs> and you never know. I mean, Jerome Powell will burp about 10 o'clock, and it'll take a dive. They are meeting today. The uh, meeting begins today and will continue tomorrow. And then after they wrap up the meeting tomorrow is when we'll hear from Jerome Powell on what they're going to do with interest rates now. Uh, also get some forward guidance if interest rates might possibly raise, if not now, by the end of the year, you've got this. You've got this week, and then one more time in December, uh, where they could possibly raise uh, interest rates again. Um, and this comes on the heels of the uh, huge GDP growth that we saw and heard about last week, meaning that inflation definitely hasn't 
been curtailed, contained, or going down in any way, shape, or form. That GDP. So um, we'll find out. And, and as we, we've told you numerous times, Jerome uh, Powell talks. He gives his statement, but it's not that that people pay attention to. It's what he says afterwards yeah. in questions and answers, look, not his Look, his fingers statement. are crossed. Yeah. He, he just frowned. Did you see that? He frowned a little bit. Sell! Mortimer, sell! <laughs> Turn those machines back on! Uh, we'll talk with Jeremiah Bates uh, coming up here in uh, a little over an hour from right now. We'll find out uh, his thoughts on what happened uh, on yesterday. Was this just people saying, gosh, we lost a lot of money last week. Let's get back in and buy more this week. I don't know. Um, there are a lot of people that are scared about what the stock market's going to do over the next uh, six months uh, based on what we're seeing with bonds and increase in interest rates and things like that. Those are just some of the things that we're going to be talking about this morning. Once again, it is Tuesday morning. Uh, if you want to share, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Email chris at kboi.com and mike at kboi.com. Want to start off your Halloween day with a spookily good breakfast? Get out to Pork Belly and Cuna. They open up beginning at 7. Uh, delicious breakfast, lots of food. They're already there making uh, all the stuff from scratch that you're going to be eating today. That's a great thing. Nothing from a can, nothing uh, frozen. It's all made from scratch. Get into Pork Belly and Cuna seven days a week beginning at 7 a.m. for breakfast. The Mountain West Conference and Fox Sports announced Monday the kickoff time for the November 11th Boise State football game against New Mexico at Albertson Stadium. It'll be 8 o'clock p.m., another late one. The game will be televised nationally on Fox Sports 1. The Broncos hold a 12-1 and all-time series advantage over the Lobos. Boise State has won the last six meetings in a row. Baseball great Frank Howard died Monday at the age of 87. Howard hit 382 home runs in his career with the Dodgers, Senators, Rangers, and Tigers from 1958 to 1973. While playing in Washington, where the Six foot seven, two hundred and fifty five pound first baseman was known as Capital Punishment. He led the American League in home runs in nineteen sixty eight and in both home runs and runs batted in in nineteen seventy. Howard was the National League Rookie of the Year in nineteen sixty with Los Angeles and was a four time All Star with the Senators at Sports. For your Google Play, simply say, Hey Google, play six seventy KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. My kids, I don't know what they think. I don't even think my kids know what I do for a living. <laughs> or I should say I, I didn't think. They knew what I did for a living. Till last Halloween, my 10-year-old, Michael, didn't know what he wanted to be for Halloween, which is a crisis. If you're a parent, you know this. And then like two days before Halloween, he ran up to me and he goes, I know what I'm going to be for Halloween. I'm going to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> and I was so touched. I was like, oh my gosh, for Halloween, you want to be your dad? And he goes, no, I want to be John Mulaney. <laughs> Slap! Thank you so much, you guys. Appreciate uh, it. Jim Gaffigan, he's a funny dude. Two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pounds six seventy on your Verizon wireless. Um, you can email us also. Text us. Same as our main number to get through today. Uh, kind of a scary story, and this is a tip for all of you people who are um, planning to go out and shoot up or try to blow things up 
and then kill yourself. We've said this before. You're doing it in the reverse order. This man did it correctly. The body of a heavily armed man was found by staff at a Colorado adventure park over the weekend. Investigators suspect an attack of devastating proportions was in the making, according to Garfield County Sheriff's Office. The discovery was made Saturday at Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park in Glenwood Springs, and it's about 160 miles west of Denver. The investigation is still ongoing and active. Um, It is, given the amount of weaponry, ammunition, and explosive devices found, Police said the suspect could have implemented an attack of devastating proportions when the park opened. But something apparently went wrong. He uh, took his own life. He found the uh, body in the uh, women's bathroom at the park. There is uh, no note left as far as right now that they've been able to uh, find as the investigation has got underway. They've also searched his home. His body was discovered before the park opened, believed he slipped in after hours when employees uh, weren't present, dressed in black-colored tactical clothing, bearing patches and emblems that gave the appearance of being associated with law enforcement, heavily armed with a semi-automatic rifle, semi-automatic handgun, multiple loaded magazines for both weapons. He was wearing body armor and what appeared to be a ballistic helmet. Additionally, multiple improvised uh, explosive devices, IEDs, were discovered with a suspect. A vehicle believed to have been driven by the man was found at the scene. Also held explosives, officials said. Park grounds were swept by a bomb squad to make sure explosives weren't planted on the amusement park rides. Officials said that they did not find any. So what, so, what curtailed this guy? Change of heart, I don't know. Um, but once again, this this tip, this is the way that if you're going to make an attack, try to kill people and then kill yourself, this is the order you do it. Kill yourself first. Then follow through with the rest of it if you're now, able. If you can avoid the whole thing, that's probably best. Obviously, this guy couldn't avoid the whole thing. Right. And obviously, people... Don't seem to avoid, be able to avoid the whole thing, just like the the one that happened last week that we talked about where 18 people were killed and then he committed suicide himself. Yeah. If he had done that first, a lot of lives, a lot of misery would have been saved. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. 633, 26 degrees in downtown Boise. Happy Halloween. By the way, that uh, news story that we just did from uh, AAA about uh, average gas price. Yeah. Already old. Went down uh, about five cents a gallon since uh, yesterday, since I went home yesterday afternoon and went to work this morning. So uh, about... 382 a gallon is uh, what I saw in one of the lowest prices. Still not close to the national average as of yet. Maybe someday we'll get there and maybe Idaho will become the national average or at least in line with the national I'd, average. Uh, this is uh, one case where I'd really like to be below average. It would be, right? Uh, big game coming up this week. Once again, uh, as we mentioned, the playoffs for the Boise State Broncos kind of began uh, last game against Wyoming. 
pretty much every week right now is a must-win game unless we're going to get a lot of help for teams like Air Force. Yeah. Maybe they'll do what San Francisco does and go on a three-game <laughs> losing streak. I'm not holding my breath, though. Uh, Fresno State, Boise State. I would consider this probably the biggest rivalry with uh, Boise State, wouldn't you, in, in the yeah. conference? Years ago, it used to be Idaho, but uh, the last, uh, I don't know, probably 20 years, it's been Fresno State. Yeah, um, we're going to be taking on Fresno State. If you uh, don't think that it's a big rivalry, rivalry game for Fresno fans, uh, this game, must add it, circled on their calendar, they sold out three weeks ago for the BSU-Fresno game coming up uh, this weekend. You'll be able to hear all the action coming up beginning at 3 o'clock in the afternoon uh, with Bronco Game Day. Richie Brockle, Jay Bates starts at 3 o'clock. Pre-game with Bob Beeler, Pete Cavender follow then at 7 o'clock and then kickoff at 8 p.m. So you might want to get a nap on Saturday. You can listen live across our networks, KBOI.com, KBOI app, Google Play, Alexa, iHeart, wherever you can hear KBOI, you'll be able to hear it, including 93.1 FM and 670 AM. It's a nighttime game. That means uh, you'll be able to hear this up clear up into Canada if you, if you want to listen in, uh, because uh, uh, our pattern changes I'll at probably that just time. stay around here. So once again, if you uh, want to listen, this is your home for the Boise State Broncos big-time game. Make sure you're listening in coming up this Saturday on News Talk KBOI. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 642-208-336-3700. from wherever you might be listening this morning. Kenny and Cuna gets us on text message, says, Good morning, fellas. There's a reason there is no candy in the studio today. Nate ate half of it and hid the rest. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds reasonable. By the way, can I just say... He was, uh, he was drowning in his sorrows from the Sunday football games. Nate Showman has never looked better than he did yesterday. Wearing a Seahawks jersey? Lost a bet to our boss and uh, ended up having to wear the Seahawks jersey yesterday. Not the good jersey, by the way. Um... The throwback jerseys that Seattle wore were fantastic on uh, Saturday. I was uh, watching the uh, pregame, and uh, yeah. some of the announcers uh, and pundits were saying that may be the best throwback uniform that they have seen uh, in the NFL. And it just goes back to the original, the the silver and uh, blue. And, and I have to say, they look pretty sharp. Good. Jim P. writes in, uh, Mike, quit bashing candy corn. I like it. And also, those pumpkin corns that are made out of the same candy. And yes, they are just as good after five years. Okay, Jim, there's something wrong with a candy that is still good after five years. <laughs> uh, Leroy has written in and uh, has the same opinion as you. I thought last year was going to be the last time that we had to move the clocks back in November. I don't know anybody that wants it, so they get to come home in the dark as well as go to work in the dark. It's a bunch of malarkey, for lack of a better word, period, just saying my opinion. Oh, well, there's a way better word than malarkey. Can't say it on the radio, but it's a way better word. You can say malarkey on the radio, so that's all right. Malarkey, malarkey, malarkey. Uh, John has a... uh question and i don't have an answer for it and i haven't you know been to a game yet this year to uh, notice but it says mike i have a bsu question i don't know if you have an answer for it i don't 
After the band plays the BSU fight song at the beginning of each game, seems like they transition into the old Budweiser commercial theme song. Do you know why? Absolutely no idea. It's a um, a song that's been played by marching bands at football games for years. Is that what it is? Yeah. The Budweiser theme song? It's just a cool song for a band to play. There you go. Chris gave you the answer. Yeah. No reason. They just do it. KBOI News Time, 645. Time for a check on what's going they are, on. They are the Keith Stein marching band, by the way. Yeah, there you go. And, that, and, that right there could be yeah, the reason. And, and, and with Stein Distributing, they were yeah. they put out beer and stuff. So. That could be the reason right there. Right. 6.45, time for a check on what's going on. Uh, we sports again this morning with Chris, brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna, place to go for breakfast and lunch seven days a week, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Don't forget, if you love breakfast uh, and you, you think you're going to miss out if you go in at lunchtime, no, they serve breakfast the entire time they are open. So if you like biscuits and gravy or if you like uh, chicken fried steak, you can get that for lunch at 1 o'clock in the afternoon if you want because that's the way Pork Belly does business. Boise State sophomore wide receiver Eric McAllister Monday was named the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week. And quarterback Maddox Madsen was named Mountain West Freshman of the Week following the Broncos' 32-7 win over Wyoming. McAllister caught seven passes, averaging 22.9 yards per reception and scoring one touchdown. Madsen completed 12 of 15 passes for an efficiency rating of 184.3. Defensive Player of the Week was Fresno State Senior Safety Dean Clark, who had eight tackles, an interception, and a fumble recovery in the Bulldogs' 31-24 win over Nevada-Las Vegas. And the special teams player of the week was Nevada senior kicker Brandon Talton, who kicked four field goals in the Wolfpack's 34-24 win over New Mexico. Game three of the World Series was Monday night in Phoenix. The Rangers defeated the Diamondbacks 3-1, taking a two-games-to-one lead in the series. Texas starting pitcher Max Scherzer threw three shutout innings, then left the game with tightness in his back and a three-run lead, but he did not get the credit for the win because of the rule that starting pitchers must complete five innings to be credited for a victory. The win went to relief pitcher John Gray, who also threw three shutout innings. Rangers shortstop Corey Seager hit a two-run homer in the third inning in the win. Uh, Game four is tonight in Phoenix. It'll be shown at 6 o'clock on Fox at Sports. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Ten minutes after seven, twenty-six degrees now in downtown Boise. Halloween. Taking your phone calls, your emails throughout the morning. Um, Basing on a uh, recent survey, do you think your house is haunted? You may be uh, among a large chunk of Americans who believe their house is haunted. Researchers surveyed 1,017 Americans in August about their paranormal experiences, and the group ranged in age from 19 to 94 with an average age of 42. Here are some of the frightening stats the survey revealed. Uh, One out of ten people have used a Ouija board at home. And 42% that say they would never, ever do it again. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Of those who say they've used the Ouija board, they've experienced oddities in their home. 49% reported witnessing something unexplainable in the bedroom. 
Other pop- popular areas included living room, hallway, staircase, and in the basement. Of those who witnessed something eerie, 19% reported praying, while 11% played detective and researched the home's history. That's not me. I'm not. I'm not going searching for something. Another 11% said they performed a cleansing ritual. You mean they took a shower? Mm-hmm. Exactly. With holy water. You've taken a shower with holy water? It was, well, it wasn't technically holy. Seven of the 1,017 people surveyed said they moved out of their home after the experience. See, that's kind of sensible. <laughs> I love my house. Mm, too bad we can't stay. <laughs> um, more than two in five people in this survey say that they have experienced something unexplainable or unusual in their home. Well, I have too. I mean, if you have kids, that's just going to happen. 42% of them reported that they felt the presence of something they couldn't see. 37%, more than one in three people, have heard unexplained sounds, including footsteps or voices. 19% claim that they have seen apparitions or ghostly figures. That's a large percentage. More than 30% of those interviewed said they are freaked out by old homes, and 39% said they felt the presence of a dead family member. Felt or smelled? Felt. Okay. That's, yeah, that's actually probably slightly better. Those are some, those are some big numbers. I mean, seven, seven out of the over 1,000 people you know, who had witnessed or felt or that's, that's not a lot out of 1,000 people. But when you considered that they moved out of their home just because yeah. of that one reason, that's a lot. Because that's just in this survey that they claim that they had some sort of weird phenomena happening they couldn't explain. And there's a good question. Can't, if can't you got stay a, here. If you got a terrific deal on a house, it was in the town you want to live in. It's a beautiful house. And the only catch is that the last people moved out because they thought it was haunted. Would you buy it? No. Absolutely freaking not. I would. I would also well, not buy a house. Wait, I mean, I, I, if I had any money, I would. Say uh, uh, a house um, murder took place. Yeah. And I, you, you know that, say, a family was murdered there. But you're getting a deal that's probably half the price uh, of what yeah, the but, house should sell? Yeah, what if you can make a killing? No, I am not purchasing yeah. that house either. Not tempting. I'm not tempting fate. I mean, it's okay if, you know... Something happens, but I'm not going to go, here, hold my beer. And then, so like a a disembodied hand reaches out and holds your beer. Yeah. That's another time when I go, well, can't stay here. Got to go. Actually, won't spill any beer this way. 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. (gasps) Have you ever had anything that you couldn't explain in your house that you've lived in? Go ahead and share with us. You can call us. You can also email Chris at KBOI.com and Mike at KBOI.com. Time for another check on what's going on with sports this morning with Chris. Brought to you by Pork Belly in CUNA, the place to go for breakfast and lunch every day. Don't forget their coffee drive-thru also opens up at 7 o'clock. Everything is open now. You can get through the coffee drive-thru without having to even get out of your car. On Monday Night Football, the Lions beat the Raiders 26-14. 
Detroit running back Jameer Gibbs rushed for 152 yards and a touchdown and caught five passes for 37 yards. Now, he became the first Lions player to rush for 100 yards and have at least 30 receiving yards in a game since Barry Sanders in 1989. For Las Vegas defensive back Marcus Peters scored on a 75-yard pick six in the third quarter. In the NBA Monday, Portland won for the first time this season, downing Toronto 99-91. The Nuggets remain undefeated at 4-0. They beat Utah 110-102. Dallas is 3-0 after a 125-110 win over Memphis. And Boston is also unbeaten at 3-0 after a 126-107 win at Washington. Also in the NBA, according to ESPN, the 76ers traded 10-time All-Star and three-time scoring champion James Harden to the Los Angeles Clippers with P.J. Tucker and Philip Petrushoff for Marcus Morris, uh, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, K.J. Martin, and four draft picks. That's sports. 670 AM and 93.1 FM. Casper and Chris. News Talk. KBOI. Territory um, for S&P 500 in the NASDAQ didn't last very long. Um, we saw a big day on uh, Wall Street. Dow was up over 500 points. Um, this was kind of unexpected. I don't think any, too many people saw this coming, did they? No, I think especially if you've seen the the trend, especially over the last three months. I mean, we're even though we had good performance yesterday, we're all three major major U.S. indexes. To to my surprise, and I think to many many's uh, surprise, is it, there were solid gains across the board. Like you mentioned, the Dow Jones finishing up 500 points. So overall, the market performed. Um, pretty dang well. But October, I mean, especially looking at today, we're looking to close out a third straight negative month for the S&P 500 benchmark. So today I anticipate things to be flat, but yesterday was interesting. We saw a bit of a a rally for bonds and what was kind of being paying close attention to it was the u.s treasury it it cut its estimate of actually how much the government would need to borrow for the fourth quarter it's like can you believe it that the government plans to borrow less money than was than what was anticipated and also this is a reduction from the previous quarter of july and september of how much they plan to borrow um to fund to fund its spending needs so that did fuel the rally a little bit we had earnings coming in but you know this also could be looked at as there was um a, a little bit too much of a sour sentiment meaning things were a little bit oversold as that momentum was carrying on last week and it looks like there was a little bit of buying the dip that took place yesterday and that caused a broad-based rally so now we're looking forward to today i mean markets are looking relatively flat especially in pre-market trading i anticipate that to be the case today honestly because investors will be looking forward i mean looking ahead to a couple of things number one the federal reserve meeting tomorrow we have big jobs reports coming out on Friday. Those are the items that uh, Wall Street's going to be paying close attention to. However, earnings are continuing to trickle through. We have Caterpillar. They're reporting earnings after the closing bell yesterday. Interesting that their uh, their third quarter performance was solid, beat expectations. However, its forward-looking guidance, um, especially for the fourth quarter, came in a little bit lower, worrying investors a bit. Shares are down about 4% in pre-market trading. So again, it's still the earnings story, but this week, all attention is going to be on Federal Reserve meeting and that jobs and that uh, jobs report coming out on Friday. All right. But, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, I, There's a I get I want to get an interesting stack because it, it is Halloween and we're talking about, you know, you... you <laughs> big economic data sets. I read a very interesting fact uh, this morning that Americans are expected to spend a record 
$12.2 billion on Halloween this year. That's <laughs> yeah. a 15% increase from last year's total. So, you know, inflation on candy, it, it's going up. So, <laughs> Those trick or treaters might be getting not their bag not might not be getting as full as they anticipate, but geez, that's a that's you know, a lot of money being spent on this holiday. You're not too far off the mark either when you say uh, inflation, because the price of all the products. It's not that I don't think people are buying more than they did last year. It's just that the price has gone up. Yeah, I think that's a huge component of it where it's just, you know, you're looking at these bags, bags of candy, the decorations that it seems to be a, a big trend and those things are not cheap. So again, American consumer still spending money. It's reflecting in, in the large data sets that we're getting. It's reflected in what they're spending on <laughs> Halloween. The main question is how long can it hold up? And for, for now, it's holding up. Even fun size candy that actually used to be kind of fun size, no longer fun size because it's super small anymore. So. <laughs> Uh, we'll keep an eye on things. Looks like, uh, as of right now, ahead of the opening here in a few minutes, Dow's going to open to the downside. Looks like S&P and NASDAQ are flat. We'll get some updates through you to, uh, for you today um, and then talk to you again tomorrow morning. Happy Halloween, Jeremiah. Happy Halloween. Thanks, gents. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. Ah, Halloween. The one time a year when the squalor of our home works to our advantage. <laughs> Gotta love Homer. 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. It is Halloween. 27 degrees. In downtown Boise, as we get underway this morning, uh, Dennis calling us from Grandview, who listens uh, online to uh, KBOI. You have a Halloween story for us? I do. In, in 1936, I believe it was, uh, in, in Washington State. They just came from Arizona. The kids had a terrapin, a turtle. Uh, and they were building a house. And they had the foundation and, and put the floor on. And built, they built the house. And they lost the terrapin. It was inside the foundation. Mm-hmm. And in 1970, uh, there was a plumbing, uh, a plumbing problem, and there was no access anything or anything. We had to cut a hole through the floor to get in there to, to fix it. And my father was face-to-face with this terrapin. It, it, oh, oh in, in, in the 50s, I... I it wrong. <laughs> uh, they started hearing noises under the house, and they thought it was haunted. And it just happened to be around Halloween time when we had to cut into the floor and and fix the plumbing for them. <laughs> so, are you saying that this and, this turtle had been hiding in the house for over twenty years? Uh, fifty years. Or 50 years? It, it was in the 50s it was making noise. In the 70s, the water issue come up, and we had to uh, cut through the floor. This this was a, a neighbor of ours at the time. Right. But we fixed the plumbing for him. And, and, and the same family owned the house. The entire uh, time. Could they Could they identify the turtle? Was it the same turtle? I am sure it was. I, I don't know how long terrapins live, but... I think they live for quite a while. 
Yeah. I don't know what that turtle was eating while he was there. Unless he was eating foundation the whole time. (laughs) Thank you for the story. Appreciate it, Dennis. Appreciate you hanging online. 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Remember, you can always email or uh, text us if you'd like to. Download the KBOI radio app for free for your Android or Apple device. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. I want candy. Then you should should go trick-or-treating. 336, I don't have to. I bought candy for trick-or-treaters. Oh, that's true. I can just sit there and eat to my heart's content. You're an adult. You can do what you want. I forgot about that. Shut out the light, honey. We're out of candy. <laughs> How could we be out of candy? Uh, Philo in Napa writes in, uh, hey, real estate guy. Oh, I'm not a real estate guy. I'm married to a real estate girl. How about that? Philo uh, asks, is a home seller required to tell a pr- prospective buyer the home might be haunted? No. Not in any state. You're not required to tell anybody that your home might be haunted. Um, if a buyer uh, is not so informed and the place turns out to be spooky, does he have a case against the seller? No. I think in the eyes of justice, ghosts don't actually exist, simply because you can't charge any of them with you know mischief or murder. Because they're ghosts. Yeah. Um, it, you, you can't you can't like you know be the only one who survived a disaster in your house and say it was ghosts. There is. Uh, they're, they're going to probably lock you up. Not a uh, state in the country. I ask my wife this if if you can uh, if you have to yeah are required to tell a prospective buyer that the house is haunted. Okay, um, do you have to tell them if there's been you know like murder? Not in Idaho. Oh, really? Yeah. If someone dies in a house in Idaho, um, you are not required to disclose it. Now that's not true in every state. There are some states, uh, California for one. If uh, somebody has died in your house within the last three years, you must disclose it. For instance. But if it's three years, an easy, in, three an years in one day, then you know, <laughs> free, free sailing. An easy way to do that would just be to have an open house and the wake on the same day. There you go. 208-336-3700. Thanks for the uh, question, Philo. Um, it, it's a little creepy that you ask it. I'm just hoping that you're asking it because it has to do with Halloween and not something else you have planned. Um, yeah, I hope you don't have a house for sale. <laughs> if somebody's looking to buy a house from Philo, you might want to check into a few things surrounding I'd buy a, the history of that house. I'd buy a TV from Philo. <laughs> Chris, by the way, said that uh, if you're given a good deal on a house that's haunted, he will buy oh, yeah. it. Yeah, he'll if, buy it from you. If it's, you know, like I said, if I can make a killing. Uh, once again, it is time for our final update on sports this morning. It's brought to you by Pork Belly and Cuna. The place to go. Breakfast, lunch, uh, made from scratch daily. Don't forget uh, the coffee drive-thru also opens up at 7 o'clock. You want to check out their menu before you go so you don't have to sit there for a long time because there's a lot of stuff on their menu. You can check that out before you go at theporkbellyidaho.com. The Mountain West Conference and Fox Sports announced Monday the kickoff time for the November 11th Boise State football game against New Mexico at Albertson Stadium will be 8 o'clock p.m., the game will be televised nationally on Fox Sports 1. The Broncos hold a 12-1 and all-time series advantage over the Lobos. Boise State has won the last six meetings in a row. Baseball great Frank Howard died Monday at the age of 87. Howard hit 382 home runs in his career with the Dodgers, Senators, Rangers, and Tigers from 1958 to 1973. While playing in Washington, where the six foot seven, 255 255-pound first baseman was known as Capital Punishment, 
He led the American League in home runs in 1968 and in both home runs and runs batted in in 1970. Howard was the National League Rookie of the Year in 1960 with Los Angeles and was a four-time All-Star with the Senators at Sports. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Halloween is Satan's night. It's the night for the devil. Thank you, uh, Pat Robertson. He's dead. Seven. See what happened? The devil. 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. It is Halloween. 27 degrees. Taking your Halloween stories this morning you want to share throughout the uh, morning. Um, this is, uh, I, I don't understand. Why is it that it seems that every crazy wackadoodle wants to bring their kids to Idaho to practice their crazy wackadoodleness? You'd have to be more specific. Well, you have the, uh, the, the mom who killed her kids here in Idaho because um, uh, of what her religious beliefs. Oh, because she thought they were zombies. Mm-hmm. And now a missing 16-year-old boy from Arizona found luckily safe with his mother, uncle, and sister uh, in Alaska. Blaze Thibodeau was at the Alcan Port of Entry uh, along the eastern Alaska border when U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents found him, according to an announcement from the Gilbert, Arizona Police Department and FBI. And what did they think he was? Um, he was missing. No, I mean, what did the uncle think he was? Uh, the uncle was. It wasn't so much the uncle as the mom. Yeah, thought that uh, the mom, by the way, whose whose name was Spring Thibodeau, Uncle Brooke Hale, and his sister Abby Snar. Man, where did they come up with all these names? Um, basically, they think that it was the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's what it was. And uh, they felt Blaze was going to play a pivotal role in Earth's last days. So they named him after an inferno? You'd have to ask them. Don't know. Blaze has been missing since Monday, October 23rd, when Spring checked him out of school in Gilbert, Arizona. They boarded a flight to Boise with uh, Abby to meet up with Brooke, and nobody had heard anything from them since. They were suspected to be somewhere in the wilderness of Idaho. You didn't like the wilderness of uh, Arizona? (laughs) Less cover. The group crossed into Canada sometime on uh, Thursday before they were found. Blaze's dad and Spring's husband, Ben, spoke with EastIdahoNews.com last week, said that he was worried that Blaze could be in danger. An An Arizona judge granted Ben an emergency petition of custody for Blaze, Spring and Brooke were charged in Arizona with felony conspiracy to commit custodial interference and felony custodial interference. How much worse could this have been? I don't I don't know what their the the beliefs are and I I don't did they think that Jesus' second coming was happening here in Idaho? Is that why they were going to Idaho because they uh, the only thing we know and and information is sketchy is they think that, or she thinks, not the dad, just the mom, mother, Spring, thinks that her son was going to play an important role in the second coming of Jesus Christ. So he wasn't necessarily the second coming himself. 
just was going to play a second, uh, uh, an important role. Once again, the question asked is, though, why are you bringing him to the wilderness yeah. of Idaho? Is it is this where the second coming is going to happen that you believe? I, 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 don't, I don't understand. I mean, you know, Arizona's in the same planet. You could have stayed there. And look at the ties. You, you, you have the other wackadoodle mom who killed her kids because she thought they were zombies coming from Arizona oh, yeah. to Idaho, bringing her kids to Idaho, and here you have another, which seems like wackadoodle mom. You know, it, it seems like they have heat stroke, but then they, you know, leave Arizona and they you don't just, seem to get better, they, right? They, yeah, something's wrong. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. This is a, just a crazy story all around. I mean, both of them are just crazy stories uh, all around. And by the way, I'm, you know, before I get any emails making fun of, you know, I know people believe in the second coming in Jesus and all that and the Bible, what the Bible teaches. Uh, once again, uh, how did they pinpoint Idaho as being the place that that's going to happen? I'm just curious. Not well, making fun of to, to be their, fair, their beliefs. It's just to be fair. Yes, a lot of people believe in the second coming, but they don't immediately assume that one of their children is going to be part of it. Yeah, I mean, no, apart from an important part may, of maybe, it, Chris, uh, maybe you know, benefiting from it, perhaps an important part of it. And like I said, apparently going to be happening here in Idaho. Okay, then two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pound six seventy on your Verizon Wireless. Uh, you can also email us this morning. Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. Ben Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. <laughs> 27 degrees in downtown Boise. It is Halloween. Uh, taking your Halloween stories. If you want to scare uh, scare those uh, with us, share those scary stories with us this morning. Uh, feel free to do that. We'll we'll let you especially share coming up here in the nine o'clock hour. Uh, is your house haunted? Has you ha- have you had something in your life that has got on that is unexplainable? Um, go ahead and share. You can email Chris at kboi.com, Mike at kboi.com couple of uh, breaking news stories uh, for you to share this morning. Um, uh, one of the stories, the uh, Senate's currently having a uh, hearing on funding for Israel and uh, Ukraine, and uh, it's already been interrupted by uh, anti-Israel protesters who were uh, arrested. Um, Anthony Blinken and uh, Austin, Secretary Austin, Due to testify before Congress today, and uh, that has already been interrupted, but it looks like they've put down the protesters and arrested them. Uh, other breaking news, U.S. military base in uh, Iraq currently under drone attack. Once again, U.S. military base uh, under drone and military attack. And this is, this is not anything new, and this is, this is where, you know, we, I, I've asked this question, what happens so far, we've had uh, 20-some-odd military personnel who have been injured, minor injuries, um, in past attacks. Total number of drone attacks at bases in Iraq and Syria, housing U.S. troops, um, 
so far there are at least 24, according to a senior defense official um, as of yesterday. And this has happened over the last couple of weeks. It amounts to at least 14 attacks in Iraq and at least nine attacks in Syria since October 17th, according to the official, said that many of these attacks were successfully disrupted by our military. Most failed to reach their targets thanks to their robust defenses. Some, however, did successfully detonate, leaving a total of 21 U.S. troops injured so far. Mm. Most of the troops uh, troops returned to uh, duty a short time good they're intercepting after their injuries intercepting most of them though i i asked the question does this 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 thing get out of control say a military base is attacked and our defenses aren't able to uh, stop it and we instead are talking about 23 injured us military talking about 23 dead us military are you mean are we at war if that happens are we at war I, I, or, or I don't think it's necessarily uh, a, a war, but does this then become escalated? I think it's. I don't ever think it's going to be uh, deemed a war. I, I think you're going to see some of the same wording, in my opinion, that it's a police action, and we're protecting our U.S. soldiers who are there protecting Israel from terrorist attacks and we're being united states when i say we're we're being attacked outside the country of israel i mean we're we're in in iraq what happens does is that the point where we start to see some escalation in this already u.s military is bombing places that they feel that are sending the drones and uh, military after our military. So we're already retaliating a bit. There, yeah, and it's we're not retaliating against Iran directly, but they just, they just, say it's proxy. Just the people who live there. Well, they say it's it, it's by proxy. So they they claim U.S. Department, U.S. military department, Defense Department claims that it is. Iran, who is behind it, but they have some plausible plausible deniability by hiring or getting other people to do it Mm -hmm. instead of Iran directly, even though the U.S. believes that it is Iran just done by, for lack of a better term, terrorist groups like Hezbollah. What's the other one? Hathi. It, but once again, I, I, I asked this at the beginning of this thing. Does this, do we run the risk that this explodes into another war that we actually have boots on the ground? I don't want it to. I hope it does not come to that. But with the attacks that you've seen so far, and where we have injuries, I mean, that's serious enough. But if you start to see that military troops end up getting killed because of some of these attacks. I, I, I just worry about what happens in that particular instance. It's also insta- in- interesting to see how much anti-Israel uh, pushback we're seeing in the United States from a lot of different areas that I really didn't expect. We've, we've talked about some of the um, colleges, students at colleges, um, Cornell 
yesterday uh, put out a warning um, that, and you wouldn't think in this day and age at a college university you would have to do this, um, but apparently there have been online threats uh, killing Jewish people at Cornell University. At a university. Anti-Semitism. You know, you can, you can feel how you want about Palestine. You can be pro-Palestine, but anti-Hamas. Yeah. But then when you start threatening to kill Jewish people here in the United States because of their beliefs. Don't expect people to hop on your bandwagon. No. And, and it's just something you, you wouldn't expect at a college university here in the United States. Jim from Eagle has written in and says, Good morning, Chris. What is the difference between, one, a world war, two, a world at war? Uh, I would say technically a world war is just a war that uh, is being fought globally, essentially against the same you know, competitors or people. And a world at war probably is just when there are a lot of you know, individual wars going on in the world which is almost always true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think uh, if you would go back through the last couple hundred years, have we ever had, you know, uh, a single day or a week where there wasn't somebody at war in the world somewhere? I don't, you'd be hard-pressed to find it, wouldn't yeah. you? I mean, a full day well, of peace? Since the 1950s, technically, North and South Korea are still at war. Yeah. They've just got a ceasefire that's been going on for 70 years. 814. Uh, we'll take a break here. Uh, when we come back, we've got a $50 gift certificate up for grabs for you from Deja Brew Bistro. Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. We will get to that right after Bronco Sports today. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk KBOI. All right, Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question is brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services Silverhawk Realty. For all your real estate needs, 208-888-4128. Robert, you're going to get first crack at our question today for our $50 gift certificate to Deja Brew Bistro. Billions of dollars a year are spent uh, on Halloween for costumes, candy, and trick-or-treating. However, here in the U.S., trick-or-treating didn't used to happen on Halloween. It happened on another day of the year. Which day was it? I'm going to go with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is correct, yes. Around the turn of the century, children and adults would go from house to house, causing mischief and begging for money and candy, all while disguised in masks and costumes. Not leftovers? That'd be cool. Back then, Thanksgiving was the uh, time of year for shops that sold costumes, not Halloween. Instead of trick-or-treating, kids would ask, anything for Thanksgiving? (laughs) This tradition eventually made uh, to merge with Halloween as Thanksgiving became less of a raucous holiday. It wasn't until after World War II that the ragamuffin parades, as it was called, on Thanksgiving completely gave way to a a more culinary experience than it is today. But the fun had to go somewhere, so Halloween became the holiday to dress up, act wild, and beg for sweets and money. And uh, maskers, as they were called on Thanksgiving, became trick-or-treaters. Congratulations, Robert. You got a $50 gift certificate to Deja Brew Bistro. Hold on the line. We'll get some information from you. We got more to give away for the rest of the week uh, every day for our Casper and Chris damn near impossible question. News is coming up here next. It is Tuesday, and that means it's Bronco Tuesday. We'll talk with Bob Beeler. We're going to talk about golf this morning. The fall golf season just wrapped up. We'll uh, talk about... 
the uh, current season that just wrapped up with the uh, coach and one of the players. Uh, also, still continue to uh, take your emails if you would like. Share your Halloween stories, um, hauntings, things that go bump in the night. Uh, have you ever seen some weird, scary phenomenon? You can share those by emailing us, Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com, or you can text us at uh, 208-336-3700. We'll get back to your phone calls coming up after uh, 9 o'clock. This is Bronco Tuesday, where we discuss the Olympic sports at Boise State. Now, here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Beeler. On your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. Happy Halloween, Bob Beeler. Thanks for being with us again uh, this morning for Bronco Tuesday, where we talk about the other Olympic sports. And the sports we're talking about today is golf. And I knew that would be exciting for you, Mike. Just disappointed that they didn't take you with them to their last t- tournament in Maui. Yeah, uh, next time uh, you you guys go, Cole, um, it'd be great if you would uh, invite somebody to go along just so that I could give the report back to the people here in Boise. <laughs> we'll have to do that. We'll have to do that. Cole Ruick <laughs> is our guest. He's one of the players on the men's golf team, and they just went to the Canapali Classic uh, over in Maui, and I guess we'll start with uh, you know Maui. This this summer was kind of devastated by some fires. What did you see over there, and, and what was the experience like? So we got in uh, when we got there. It was dark, so we couldn't see anything driving in. Um, we didn't really see any of the damage until our our drive back out to the airport, um, and it was it was so sad to see uh, just just everything. Uh, um, burnt and and where we had eaten last year, uh, that, that was totally gone. So it's just just devastating to see. I know uh, Kaanapali is uh, right next uh, to uh, Maui. Does it affect the golf at uh, at all? Seeing all that around there and having to participate, uh, it it didn't make that big of a difference because we were far enough up um, up the coast that we couldn't like we couldn't see any of the damage from the course. Um, so it felt normal there, and that. But then, obviously, diving out, um, we could see we could see everything that had happened. Are you uh, just good at playing on islands? Because I guess in Michigan, you did pretty well too, and, and that was an island play, <laughs> wasn't it? There might be something to that. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about some of the experiences this fall. One of the great things about playing on a golf team is it seems like you guys get a lot of great trips, play a lot of great courses, in a lot of great spots. Yeah, we're we're lucky to. Um, just get to travel to such cool places. Uh, it, it was a super fun fall. Um, I got to travel to some new places. Um, we played in a few of the same tournaments and then got to go to some cool places. So it was a lot of fun just seeing new courses, going to different parts of the country. Um, yeah, we're, we're lucky to do what we do. I'm just curious, you know, when we hear of, for instance, like if the football team goes to play in Hawaii, I mean, it's a complete business trip. There's not uh, much time to do anything else other than go there, get ready for the game, play the game, and, and fly home. Uh, and when it comes to playing golf, um, you guys obviously um, get to play instead of just a few hours. You get you get over a few days. Do you get a little time to uh, do a little rest and relaxing when you go to some of these places like Kaanapali? Yeah, this uh, usually we don't get much time because it's a 36-hole day and then an 18-hole day and then we're heading right home. But this trip we actually got some time in each afternoon since we only played. We had three days of 18 holes, so we were done by 2.30 in the afternoon and we got the rest of the day to um, to kind of relax and, and enjoy Hawaii. So it was, 
this trip is always is always one of the best trips. Cole, you're from a, a sports family, uh, but golf really wasn't their their first sport. How did you happen to focus on golf? Um, my dad has always loved it. He, I mean, he's a he's a basketball coach, but he he grew up playing golf um, and has always done it as a hobby. So he got me into it. Um, he's the only other one in my family that plays, but kind of just through him and living near a golf course growing up. That's that's kind of how I've how I've fallen in love with it. We're visiting with Cole Ruick. He is one of the golfers for Boise State's men's team. Cole is a sophomore this year. So what kind of a season did you have last year as a freshman? And then as you're building into your sophomore season, where do you think you're better this year? Yeah, I think uh, last year I, I learned a lot uh, going from high school and junior golf into college. Um, I think the main thing is just uh, playing tougher courses. I've, I've kind of learned how to manage that and um, – just kind of playing smarter and knowing when to be aggressive and, and when to maybe play more conservative. Um, and then I think I've also gotten better at managing, like being able to still shoot a good score when I don't feel like I'm on my best game because there were a couple tournaments this year where I wasn't hitting the ball great, but I, I just, um, through experience of, of, of other times like that where I maybe haven't scored very well, I've kind of learned how to just still scrap it around and, and um, shoot a score that, that can help the team. Playing golf here in the uh, Treasure Valley, does do you and the golf team have just a couple of specific courses that you play, or do you get to play all around? It's kind of a two-part question, and if you do, what are some of your favorite courses here in the Treasure Valley? Uh, we get to play around quite a bit. We get a, a good mix. Um, I think I'd say Spurwing, we get out there um, maybe once a week, that one. That one's a lot of fun to play. It has great practice facilities and um, can work on our game there. And then Crane Creek, uh, about 20 minutes from campus, that's a that's a probably the toughest course we play, and that's always good in, in preparation for a tournament. So those are a couple of my favorites. Cole, if you're getting ready to play in, say, a, a, a place in Michigan, maybe that you guys have never played before, do you try to find a course in Boise to practice that might be similar to the one you're getting? Um. Sometimes hard to do that. We we do try our best, um, but if if there's a course that like it, that that we're playing for a tournament that there aren't any in Boise that are similar, um, we kind of just uh, work on shots that we think we'll need. Like maybe it's on the range. Um, just trying to if we think that there's going to be a lot of drivers, then then we'll just work on our drivers or um, short game putting. Just just whatever it is, we'll kind of we'll do our best to to simulate it. Just one uh, real quick question before we let you go, uh, just about yourself. Tell us, um, what are you studying and what are your plans for the future? Um, I am pre-business right now, so I'm just kind of going through all the uh, general courses before I, um, last semester, or uh, next semester will be my final semester of those types of classes, and then I'll get more into uh, major-specific uh, classes. And for the future, I mean, I want to, I want to keep playing golf as long as I can, um, but if that doesn't work out, having a having a business degree, I can I can do a lot of things with that. Cole, thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, continued success uh, in your career at Boise State, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you again. Thank you very much. Eight forty three. We'll take a break. When we come back, head coach David Trainer of the golf team will be with us. It's Bronco Tuesday. Now. Back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos. News Talk KBOI. 
Mix. Once again, it's Bronco Tuesday, and this morning, Bob Beeler, Chris Walton, myself, we're talking golf. And we're visiting with uh, men's coach David Trainer right now. David, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. We just heard from Cole Ruick, one of your players, uh, found out a little bit about some of the tournaments you played in and how things are going. So why don't we start with you on the roster. You lost your top player from last year, Max Charles. So tell us what you have this season that's returning and what some of your new players are like. Uh, well, uh, number one, let's uh, talk about Max real quick. Max just finished, I believe, T3 in the Asia-Pacific uh, Amateur Championship down in his native Melbourne. Uh, missed out on the playoff by one shot that, uh, had he won, would have gotten him uh, an invitation to Augusta National and the Masters and the Open Championship. But uh, played great week for Max. I believe now he's off to um, Asian Tour Q School. So his future is very bright. Uh, I want to thank Max for everything he did for us during his career. Uh, but to answer your question, um, we have a, 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 a good mix of returning guys. Uh, Will O'Connor, who played a lot for us last year, obviously you spoke with Cole, uh, played every event for us last year. Gavin Knight, a sophomore from Vancouver Island, Canada, uh, played a good deal for us last year and has played uh, every event this fall. Um, all three of those guys are underclassmen and played every event for us this fall. Uh, then senior Drew Reinke uh, from right here in Meridian uh, played every event for us. And, uh, you know, big shout-out to Drew. He uh, he worked hard this year uh, and helped us a lot. His game improved uh, a ton, and I'm uh, you know proud of all of our guys. But then after that, we've had um, uh, here and there, we've got freshman Luke Cushman from uh, Denver area, uh, played – a couple of events for us. Another freshman, Luke Cunningham from Galway, Ireland, played an event for us. Um, so, uh, other than that, you know, we had some guys who have not played yet who are chomping at the bit to play. But obviously, golf being a results-driven game, you know, seventy beat seventy-one every single day. Who who would you say is most improved from last year's squad? Wow, um, I would probably say Drew Ranky. Um, you know, Drew didn't play a whole lot for us last spring when we met uh, after the season I was over last year. Uh, Drew and I spoke, and uh, unfortunately, Drew was kind of stuck in that proverbial six spot, and we only traveled with five. Uh, every single week, it just seemed like he couldn't crack the lineup score-wise. And uh, this fall, he's played great around town. Um, you know, got off to a little bit of a slow start, our first event in Michigan, but helped us uh, in uh, in Denver. He helped us in uh, Manhattan, Kansas. Helped us at Oregon State. And he, he counted all three scores in Hawaii. So uh, very proud of Drew with the, the leaps and bounds that he's made. Coach, when it comes to uh, recruiting, obviously when you recruit, you're looking for good golfers. Is there anything else that you look at um, when you try to recruit players here to Boise State? Uh, great question. Uh, from 10,000 feet, I am looking for a young man who can shoot 65 and is a 4.0. Um, <laughs> kind of they they must be there, everywhere, I'm guessing. Uh, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, just uh, turn around every corner. There they are. Um, no, you look at character. You look at how they treat their playing competitors when they're playing. You look at how a uh, big thing I look at on the golf side is a feel for the game and how I describe that is uh, let's say it's a windy day. Do they just stand up there and hit an eight iron that goes to the moon and comes up 15 yards short? Or can they flight that ball down, keep it under the wind, you know, pull an extra club or two and, you know, hit the proper yardage. How are their hands around the greens? How, how can they use a wedge? How are they with a putter? 
Um, you know, the, the one of the things in our sport that is, uh, I'll use the word wonky, we obviously have rankings, junior golf rankings. Um, the, I have had kids in my career where um, I had one young man who I think junior golf, he was ranked like 2,270 uh, in junior golf scoreboard, but he had also played in three U.S. amateurs by the time he entered college. And I'm like, okay, you know, he might have done poorly in uh, junior golf or not his best in junior golf, but to play three U.S. amateurs before you enter college is quite an accomplishment, which tells me he can play on a bigger stage. So those are kind of the, again, the 10,000-foot view of things that I'm looking for. We're visiting with Boise State men's golf coach David Trainer. David, we look at your schedule. You mentioned going to play in Oregon. You went to Hawaii a tournament in Michigan. How do you build your schedule? How do you get invited to these different things? And what to you is an ideal schedule? Oh, wow. Um, golf is, again, gentleman's game. Um, you know, coaches are friends. Hey, I want you to come play in our tournament. You know, hey, you know, why don't you come on down here? Uh, obviously, ultimately trying to build the best schedule for the kids, um, competition-wise, golf course-wise. Uh, not only does, you know, for great competition, but it also helps in recruiting. If we play a great schedule, more kids want to come here and play us. Obviously, you know, we've got several international kids on our team. When international kids, much like the U.S. kids, but, you know, they're looking to build their world amateur golf ranking. If you play a poor schedule, you don't get enough points towards world amateur golf ranking. You play a good schedule, your uh, ranking can go up. You know, how does that ranking help? It helps you get access to better tournaments in the summer. Um, uh, you know, right now we've got the PGA Tour U, which, uh, you know, is an elevated uh, or an advanced way to get to the PGA Tour for college kids. So, you know, how do you build the schedule? You're looking for the best possible competition on great golf courses. And then on top of that, you know, I want to give my kids a great experience while they're here. So when we go to a, a tournament, I'll try to find other golf courses in the area. If there's a great golf course, hey, how can we get access to this course and get our kids on? Uh, for example, we're playing Bandon Dunes in the spring. That is, Bandon Dunes speaks for itself, but when we go there, we'll play some of the other courses around Bandon, uh, just again to give the kids a great experience. Do you need anybody to come with you to Bandon Dunes um, to <laughs> broadcast or... We do interviews or anything. Always looking, always <laughs> looking for guys to come. Yes, absolutely. Um, just uh, one more question before we let you go today. Uh, of course, the fall season just finished up. What is it that you will uh, be doing with the team between now and uh, when uh, next year begins again? Okay, so I tell my guys this. We're not going to do anything for a while. I want them to be student-athletes. I mean, regular students, excuse me. I want them to go to football games, basketball games, get caught up on their schoolwork, obviously hit the weight room hard, um, hit the books hard. But we don't have to be good again until the third week of February. That's a long time from right now. And this is one of my recruiting pitches is that our climate here in Boise is – it can be a very good thing because it allows our our guys to recharge their batteries – put the clubs away and be regular people. You know, we, if you look at the calendar year, we start at mid January, we go all the way to June to the NC2A championship. Then they'll play a full summer of amateur golf, come right back, hit the ground at a hundred miles an hour and go all the way until the end of October. That is what? 10 and a half, 11 solid months of golf. You need a break. And I want my kids to take that break. I want them to relax and enjoy themselves. You know, exhale, if you will, uh, and just be regular students. 
Coach, thanks for taking a few minutes with us this morning. Uh, continued uh, success. Uh, hopefully you get to enjoy some of the downtime in the season also uh, before your next season starts. What is starts. downtime? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> thanks for talking uh, with us. I'm sure we'll talk to you uh, again sometime next year. Guys, thanks so much for having us. Your Google Play, simply say, hey, Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Nine oh six. It is Halloween. Happy Halloween! Thanks for listening in uh, to our Halloween show. You can take uh, part if you like too. Um, throughout the morning, we've been taking your stories. If you want to share, two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred. Ever seen a ghost? Ever uh, had something you couldn't explain happen in your home? Go ahead and share with I'd, us. Uh, forgotten about that uh, <laughs> bit. Uh, we're happy, Ma- uh, Adam Sandler. You know. I was called the Happy Madison. That's his company. Uh, Adam Sandler, where he said that, you know, they were poor when he was a kid, and so they didn't have money for costumes. So he'd take, like, a protractor and hang it on his ear and go, I'm crazy protractor <laughs> man. Give me some candy. <laughs> Harrison Boulevard. Uh, if you're used to traveling on Harrison Boulevard, um, just because that's the way you get home or you get places, um, keep this in mind. Harrison Boulevard closed to vehicles beginning at 3 o'clock this afternoon till 11 o'clock tonight. It will only be open to pedestrian traffic. Why, you may, da- you may ask, if you've never been to this area on Halloween, that could be a good question. However, if you've been there on Halloween before, uh, you know that if you drive, it would take you about an hour to get up Harrison mm-hmm. Boulevard anyway because there are over 10,000 trick-or-treaters that uh, descend on Harrison Boulevard area. I didn't even know that many people lived on Harrison Boulevard. <laughs> How would you like to have just moved in there and, and not realize what was going to happen? On Halloween? I think uh, so, you, so. You buy like a hundred pieces of candy. I, I had a friend who bought a house on Harrison Boulevard, yeah. and they said that a couple of things happened. Number one, their realtor shared that you will be expected to partake in Halloween. Participate, huh? Yeah, and by the way, it's not just you know giving out candy it's lots of candy um and they they had said for years they don't live there anymore they i think they owned the house there for seven years and they didn't sell the house because of halloween um but they said they average probably around 1500 to two thousand dollars worth of candy every year once again it came down to this and, and this was my neighborhood 
just put up a sign in the front yard, a pedophile lives here, and turn off the lights. That's a lot. That is a lot of candy. But like on November 1st, people still remember the sign. (laughs) But Um, but those 10,000 kids, though, that are coming here don't live in the neighborhood. That's the weird part, which which I don't think is is really – I get it that this is a – Really great decorated neighborhood. Yeah. However, driving your kids 25 miles to go trick or treating in Harrison Boulevard just because you know they That's, have great yeah. and lots of candy uh, just doesn't seem fair. Got uh, an instant message from uh, Chris who says several years ago we were looking at houses with our realtor. We were looking at a house in town in northern Illinois where we lived at the time. It was a historical house in this village and was built in the early 1900s. It had a basement, then two stories, and a finished attic. The attic was set up as what today I guess you'd call a man cave. There was a large train set uh, up there. As soon as I walked into the attic, I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and the hair on my arms was standing up as well. I stopped in my tracks and told my husband and the realtor that I had to get out of there and the house immediately and uh, I see them at the car. They could see I was visibly shaken, and I left my son, uh, too. Uh, I've never had that uh, feeling before, and I've never had it since then. Needless to say, we didn't buy that house. <laughs> I would hope not. It's, it's such a good deal. We couldn't turn it down, and then we were haunted for the rest of our lives. So I, th- I thought when this started, I thought uh, that she was going to be up in the attic alone, and the train was going to start, you know. <laughs> how how <laughs> long would you stay in the house if something like that did happen? Oh, I don't, eight, no, the eight, other, eight, nine seconds, I think. The other uh, crazy thing that uh, I, I have seen from animals, and it freaks the heck out of me, and I don't know what the heck they're seeing, but when dogs or cats sit there and growl at something. Yeah. And there's nothing there. And there's there. nothing there. Nothing it's like, you okay. can see anyway. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh my God, what are you growling at? There's nothing there. What? What is it? Are they seeing something like, that we can't see? Growling at a closet door. That would unnerve a person, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Uh, let's see. Mary says, morning, does the anti-Semitism really surprise you? It goes hand to hand with white supremacy. We've seen them come out and being very vocal since Obama was elected. I hear it every day from your callers. They hide behind slogans like closed borders, my Christian values, anti-immigration, and pictures of white Jesus hanging in their living room. We are only in this fight because our Christian values want that land as much as they do. White Jesus is coming, and we want to be there when he does. That was Mary. Uh, John in uh, Meridian writes, uh, Mike, did I hear you right? This morning, did you say the house in Eagle that you recently sold was haunted and the buyers <laughs> had the property demolished? <laughs> uh, no and yes. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a yes and no. Uh, yes, we did sell the house, uh, not because it was haunted. However, we have some kids because of some of the stuff um, that they had seen in the house truly believed that the house was haunted. Uh, the buyers did buy the house and they demolished the property, but they didn't demolish the property because it was haunted. As far as I know. Now, maybe that, actually that could be, because I haven't talked to them. They originally were going to buy the house and just basically tear it down to the studs and rebuild it. Um, instead, they tore everything yeah. out, tore everything down. So who knows? Maybe they got inside and say, hmm, we can't have this. Let's, I mean, you there was said, rumors that it was uh, built on an old burial ground. You guys, uh, didn't you have like a haunted pond with ghost coir? Or <laughs> was, 
Was I mixing you up with somebody else? <laughs> yeah, I think that was that was somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan uh, writes in, if uh, terrorists kill American troops, this is what we were talking about earlier, about mm-hmm. the number of strikes in Syria and uh, Iraq on uh, military, our U.S. military, said that I expect Biden to probably pick one of their uh, outhouses to target so that way they can't go to the bathroom and maybe they get some bad infection or something. I don't expect much else from this administration. That's from Dan. Max writes, uh, morning, Chris. Max in Boise here. I just wanted to remind you how much I love and appreciate your sense of humor. I'm sure Mr. Farnsworth would, too. Okay, Max liked it earlier when we were talking to somebody named Philo, and I said, I'd buy a TV from Philo. <laughs> oh, you had a house for sale. That's what it was. Now, now explain for the people who oh, don't Philo, know who Philo, Philo, Farns- Philo Farnsworth, Farnsworth is. Uh, Philo Farnsworth is credited with the invention of television. Right here in Idaho. And li- lived where? Like Rexburg or someplace. I think, right I, yeah, there. something in, East, in, in, that somewhere area. in eastern yeah. Idaho. Um, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, if you want to share your stories, feel free. Um, go ahead and give us a call. When we come back, something else uh, really scary. Uh, the fiscal year 2023 border crossing numbers were released. Um, numbers quite scary, quite astonishing. Um, we're going to share that with you uh, when we come back. Just the amount of increase in the total number in the last three years since Biden took over of uh, illegals who are now in our country. Um, it, it's pretty amazing. Um, and it, it, and by the way, last month saw the most illegals enter the United States in history of America uh, based on this uh, new report that came out. We'll get to that and more coming up here on The Way Next. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 919-208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to take part in the show, it's also uh, email chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Fiscal year 2023 boarding crossing uh, numbers under President Joe Biden have been uh, released. Numbers are uh, quite astonishing. Department of Homeland Security released the numbers on uh, this past Saturday. This time in a uh, possible attempt to bury the news because it was so bad. The administration has never released the numbers uh, on Saturday before. It's a policy that began during Biden's first year in office, the year the administration had a historic record of illegal immigrations. Biden overturned the majority of then-President Donald Trump's policies within weeks after taking office. And within a matter of months, the administration took the one of the most secure times our border has ever been in decades. Illegal immigration, when he took office, was at a 45-year low. And now, first year uh, under Biden, we saw more than a 200% increase. 1.9 million encounters. That was a historic record. Second year he was in office, 2.7 million uh, encounters, another record. And the latest number released on Saturday shows 3.2 million people, an even new historic record, 400% higher than it was under the last year under Trump. The scariest part uh, of this is that we also saw a total of 169 aliens, illegal aliens arrested who were on the FBI's terror watch list. 
that's a little scary. They're actually on the FBI's terror watch list. The historic record continues in other areas as well, on top of historic illegal immigration and historic numbers of known or suspected terrorists at the border. We have nearly 1.7 million known gotaways. So if we have caught and arrested 169 illegal aliens who are on the FBI's terror watch list, how many of the 1.7 million known gotaways could possibly be in this country that we don't know about? Well, could be that are on the terrorist watch list, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because if you're on a terror watch list and you know you're on the terror watch list, you're you're probably going to try to get into the country illegally and not be caught, would be my guess. By the way, total number is almost 10 million illegal aliens in this country in three years since Biden took office. To give you an idea of how many that is, that's more than the entire population of New York City. In three years. It's more than the entire and, population of L.A. County. And interestingly enough, a lot of them were shipped from Texas to New York City. And they've been complaining about it a lot. And from Florida to Martha's Vineyard. It's one quarter, almost one quarter of the total population of all of California. That gives you an idea of how many people in in three years. Chris Clem, a former Border Patrol agent in Arizona and Texas, uh, was on the talk circuit this weekend, um, said that we should be alarmed by the number of uh, gotaways, especially at the southern border. Chris Clem's with us now. He's former Yuma Sector Border Patrol agent, started his career in El Paso. And uh, Chris, nice to see you again, and thanks for coming back here. That, just that that last point uh, that that Casey was reporting on, a thousand gotaways a day in the month of October. What, what are we doing? Yeah, you know, it's not surprising given the uh, lackluster response this administration's had since day one on the border. Um, you know, uh, just based on your reporting, listen to what uh, Mr. Holman said. I mean, those are things that, again, don't surprise me, but alarm me. We've got people from, uh, you know, that are on our watch list that are from places that, you know, really aren't our friends. And they are getting into the country. Thank goodness our agents are, are catching them. But when you look at those numbers of gotaways, I mean, that is just uh, ridiculous. And who is that population, right? Criminal aliens, you know, would be terrorists. We don't know. And that should uh, alarm every one of us. And it's a shame it's taken something like this war in the Middle East to really kind of make people think about what we've been talking about for the last uh, several years. Well, and that and, and that's the point now. That's the point, because here's what we get. The feds are warning that Hamas and Hezbollah could be crossing the southern border. All right. Now, as you see, the terror watch list encounters now. Uh, Casey said 169. I see 172 on the board, whether it's 169 or what, it doesn't matter. Right. It's too many on the terror watch list who have been caught. Yeah, I think that, that the high number is includes the northern border. Um, but yeah, you know, our agents are very vigilant. They're doing their job when they can get out there and do their job. You know, we really need to focus and secure this border. It's what we've been talking about, what I've been talking about while I was still chief in Yuma and uh, since I've since retired. We have got we've got the, the ability to do it. We had the plan in place. We were securing the border to the best it's been. And at that my point, 25 years uh, of my career. Uh, but, you know, this is just uh, 
gone on too long. Uh, as, as the senator mentioned in the early report, the, the material is there. You know, the plans are there. We just need to do it. And, you know, for us to just sit there and be naive that this is not going to happen, what we're seeing overseas, it, it could not happen over here. I think well, we're in a, in a different world and we've got to secure this border. We have to make this country safe. We've talked about every town is a border town. Every state is a border state. And we've got to protect this uh, America's front line through through our policies, through our infrastructure, adding more border patrol agents and, and really getting all three of those uh, those uh, uh, government entities, the legislative branch, the judicial branch, and the executive to get on board and get things done. You know, stop bickering, get a budget passed, get things in place, and, and keep America safe. Once again, that is uh, Chris Clam, former Border Patrol agent in Arizona and Texas. We'll take a break here. Uh, you want to weigh in with your thoughts? You can. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. When we come back, is it is it some of the administration's policies that are bringing, encouraging illegals to come to america for instance the biden administration uh has uh sent out letters and threatens banks that refuse to lend money to illegal immigrants yeah you didn't you didn't mishear me they're threatening banks who refuse to lend money to illegal immigrants we'll talk about that when we come back broadcasting from the empire title studios we are news talk kboi Halloweenies. Gotta love a good dad joke. Uh, happy Halloween. Uh, Halloween show this morning with Casper and Chris taking your um, stories this morning. Uh, and this was something we talked a little bit uh, earlier uh, about a survey that was out. 40% of those in this survey, there was over 1,000 people surveyed, uh, experienced unexplained phenomena in their homes. Uh, I found one uh, one of the part, one in 10 people claim to have used a Ouija board at their home at one time or another. And out of those people, 42% that they would never, ever do it again. Because afterwards, they started experiencing weird things happening in their home. Hmm. Have you ever used a Ouija board, play oh, with a Ouija when board? I, when I was a kid, yeah, my sister and I used to play, and, and it used to call her some just terrible names. Of the, uh, which, which is why she believed in, in the supernatural. Of those who witnessed something eerie happening in their homes, 19% reported praying, 11% played detective and tried to figure out what the heck it was, researched the home's history, and another 11% said they performed a cleansing ritual, you know, type of uh, holy Shower. water. Oh, holy water, right. 
Seven of the 1,017 people surveyed said that it was so bad it caused them to move out of their home after the experience. Yeah. What? I used to work with somebody who uh, said they bought their kid uh, like, like one of those little portable uh, keyboards, mm-hmm. and it would record what you, uh, you could like play and sing and stuff, and it'd record what you were playing, and uh, you could play it back. And the first thing he said into it was, uh, I love you. And then hit the uh, button to play it back. And it said, but will you always love me? <laughs> and and they threw it, you know, like in the trash. Probably a good move. She seemed sincere when she was telling me the story. Got a couple more emails of stories to uh, share this morning. I won't mention whether her son has won three Emmy Awards or not. William of Garden City. Writes in, we have three tea candle holders suspended from our ceiling, and from time to time, one will start spinning slowly with no one being anywhere near them. Once we also found what looked like to be a gargoyle face in one of our kitchen cabinet doors. We figured that was what was causing the tea candle holders to move. Gargoyle face? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe writes in a text message at 208-336-3700, said, I spent the night in a cabin in Stanley, was in the basement alone with my dog. In the middle of the night, oh, see, this is with the dog thing, this is going to creep me out. In the middle of the night, I felt someone crawl into bed with me. I thought it was my friend who had got up to go to the bathroom and just came to the wrong bed. When I turned to tell him to get to his own room, there was nobody there. My dog started growling, and I could see the dog watching something move across the room and out the door. Needless to say, I didn't sleep the rest of the night. Well, My question, Joe, what the hell did you stay in that room for after that happened? I get that you don't sleep. How did you even stay there for crying out loud? You know, that's where the bed was, right? Uh, it doesn't matter. I'd sleep. He didn't sleep anyway. He could have gone up. Any other room where that would just creep me out. Mm. Something crawls into bed. You feel it crawl into bed, and you don't see anything. Denny in Nampa writes in, Several years ago, I moved to a condo, which I had originally bought for my mom. After she passed, I had rented it out for a while, but after I retired, I moved in. I had gotten in the habit of reading for an hour or so while trying to tire my eyes out, prepping for sleep. At that time in my life, I had two cats, which slept on the bed with me upstairs in my mom's old bedroom. One night, as I lay there reading, the two cats were peacefully snoring away. Then, all at once, both of them jumped up, whirled around, and leaned way out over the end of the bed, straining their necks and grumbling that low, almost (laughs) inaudible growl that cats do. Of course, I looked, too. I saw nothing, but the cats were determined to keep leaning and looking towards the stairs. Finally, I said, hi, Mom. A few seconds later, both cats rolled up and went back to sleep. Me? Sleep, you ask? Nah. (laughs) I I was awake for a couple of hours just waiting and waiting. That's Hmm. Denny in Napa. Thanks, Denny. Darren in Cuna uh, says, uh, I think my ex-wife is haunted just because uh, no one uh, who isn't could be that evil. (laughs) Uh, let's um, see. Ron in Meridian says, uh, Ah, gentlemen, happy Halloween, a cold morning in the valley, a day to be cherished and live to its full extent. 
We can thank Brandon for inflation, but there is no inflation in his house. Illegal entry into the country by millions, but our borders are secure and his incompetence, but there is no dementia. It's Ron from Meridian, not a big fan of the president. Told you as we were going to break, and this is a story that came out this weekend. They just reported the uh, fiscal 2023 fiscal year, which um, just ended and set another record over three million more people captured at the uh, border than released into our country again this year. Um, bringing a grand total of uh, people captured at the border and gotaways to nearly 10 million people. And I, I had asked the question, based on some of the administration policies, could it be that that, as much as anything else, is is bringing people into this country? Uh, and I asked that because the Biden administration released a statement last week warning financial institutions against using a person's immigration status in credit applications. The CFPB will not allow companies to deny credit just because someone is not a legal citizen of the United States is an excuse for discrimination. No, I mean, people from all over the world have always been able to buy property in the U.S. if they wanted to. You don't have to be a citizen. You don't even have to be here legally. Just if you, well, you need to have the money. (laughs) Well, no, you don't. Well, I mean, you need to be able to get the loan, and you can. You have to kind of jump through more hoops than the average person. It just seems weird that you come to this country, you're here illegally, but I can't turn you down for a loan, not knowing that you may be in this country. You could be deported from the country when you eventually, if you ever you know, the government have just, to go through the legalization you know, prog- process. The government, uh, for some reason, doesn't want you to turn them down for the reason uh, that they are uh, not a U.S. citizen. But... Um, I, you know, I don't. I don't know. I, you know, you can turn them down for other reasons. Like, I don't think you can pay this back, so I'm going to turn you down for the loan. You can. You can do that. Apparently, you just can't. Or the government doesn't want you to cite on there that the reason is they're not a citizen. Yeah. Uh, I. I guess. <laughs> or even document. So, in other words, don't tell the truth. If you go, I don't think you're going to be able to repay this loan because you're not here legally. You're already breaking one law. We don't know whether or not you're going to be here to stay here to pay for your mm-hmm. credit card loan, your auto loan, or your home loan on the basis of your illegal status. Um, as I guess maybe then if, as long as you don't tell the truth and say it's because you're illegal and just say, we just don't think you're going to be able to pay it back. <laughs> but wait a minute, it, it, it shows that I'm a good credit risk. Yeah. Maybe, maybe then. Start? <laughs> Clay out west uh, writes an email. It's, it's not 
it's not starting, by the way. It's been years and years that this has been going on. And no other president has ever done anything to stop it. it it's interesting. It's been years and years of going on. Why he, the Biden administration uh, thought they needed to threaten banks that uh, refused to maybe. lend illegal immigrants money with the letter that came out last week. Maybe for fun. It's very satisfying to threaten a bank. Uh, I guess you would know about more of that than anybody else, because uh, I've never done it. I don't know anybody else who's threatened a bank, personally, but have, have maybe you, you been, have. Have you ever been threatened by a bank? Um, no. Have you? I know people who have. Oh. For doing something right or wrong? Uh, let's see. It's because they they lost track of their balance and uh, overdrew their account. <laughs> so then the bank so charged they, them an they, extra few hundred bucks that they didn't have anyway and then threatened them for whatever. I can't remember. So they spent more money than they had, and then the bank charged them, and then yeah. they had even less money. Something like that, yeah. Uh, Clay Out West writes in, uh, thanks to the good work of our agents on the border, these known terrorists were caught. What percentage of those who attempted to cross um, were not caught is the question. That's the question we asked this morning. Uh, out of the one point. Seven million known got those are known gotaways. By the way, mm-hmm. there could be a lot more than that. Um, you you would expect if you were a terrorist and you possibly knew that you were on a known terrorist list that you wouldn't want to come across uh, and get caught. So yeah, there that that's the scary possibility that with what's going on in the rest of the world right now that we could have terrorists that are set up right here in the United States, especially if they were born here. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to weigh in, you can email chris at kboi.com or mike at kboi.com. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. Halloween, once again, happy Halloween. Thanks for listening in this morning. Uh, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon uh, wireless. Once again, if you want to weigh in, you can also email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Tom and Emmett waiting on the uh, line, listening on 670 uh, AM. Uh, Tom, is this is this story about something that happened to you? Yes. I was uh, visiting our kids in Las Vegas, and I went to sleep in the beanbag chair down the living room. Everybody else went to bed. But in the middle of the night, I got hit in the back very hard, and it was ice cold. I woke up, and there was nobody in the room but me. And the kids said that the house was built on an Indian burial ground, and they'd <laughs> oh, have wow. other unexplained stuff. But all I know is I got hit in the back, and it was ice cold, and there was nobody there. And I was sober. Uh that was my next question. <laughs> did you did, did you have like a mark on your back or anything like that? Nope, nothing. Hmm. That's odd. Yes, it, it was very odd. <laughs> so very how much of. how much longer did you stay in the house after that? Are are you one of those people that just we finished out our trip? But I didn't sleep on the beanbag chair. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously not, because uh, apparently it belonged to somebody else. I was going to say the beanbag chair could have been what was on it. They said, they said there'd been other phenomena, like a ladder into the attic left down when nobody was up there. I, could, I write that off to some of the kids doing stuff they weren't supposed to and not wanting to own up to it, though. 
Yeah, but but you woke up immediately, and there was nobody there hitting you with an ice, you know, icicle or anything. So yeah. not a soul. That's crazy. Everybody else stares asleep. Yeah. That's Thank you for the story, weird. Tom. Thank you for the story. Appreciate it. There are See, lots of there, things there's, there's another example of like to explain. Look, I gotta go. <laughs> I can't stay here. You saw go. Yes. Debbie has a story. You want to let Debbie talk? Yeah. Okay. All right, so here's Well, it's not like deal. she doesn't talk all, all well, the time. I know Oh, you need to stop. <laughs> I was living in an apartment by myself, and I had a dog, okay? And so what happened was I was sleeping in my bed alone with my dog. So I guess I wasn't alone alone. Anyway, I sat straight up in the middle of the night, and my dog wasn't barking, and I was looking at a man in an old brown suit, and he was like transparent. I didn't even know Chris then. He was like kind of transparent. Yeah, and Chris a, is definitely a, not transparent. And I, I, I was a brown suit anyway. And I was I just sat there and stared at him and he stared at me and he finally walked away. I moved out of that apartment within a week. I swear. See, that's what you're supposed to do. You don't go, well, I'm getting like, a really good deal but, but here, was, so I'm, I'm going to stay. But he was sort of translucent. Sort yeah, of, he didn't look like a real person, although at first I thought he was. He came to get my sweetness but he was not he was a ghost most, most for real pe- mo- most people are opaque yes he was a ghost for real 100 percent. i'm a believer but you moved i mean i did move okay. i moved in with you she so did you could protect she did me. exactly what she's supposed to do i can't stay here sorry gotta go i ran for the exit yeah you you moved to idaho to get away from the ghost yes of course i did tom getting hit in the back of the head is that's kind of freaky yeah that was in las vegas I mean, I've been hit in the back of the head in Las Vegas before, but it wasn't by a ghost. (laughs) Was it by somebody trying to get you up off the table? Uh, Yeah. You've been here for 14 straight hours. It's time to go. All right. And you haven't had any money for six. (laughs) Um, Email in. uh, It says, uh, gentlemen, good morning. We do hear a consistent and constant tone here that the seemingly rational people of this great state, even of this great country, are seeing through the lies we've been told. The problem is that the sensical people do not outnumber the delusional. So at what point on the graph do we intersect? How long do we continue to suffer at the hands of the fools who are largely voting for identity political reasons based on my numbing indoctrination instilled by the very corrupt institutions that seek to end our great experiment. Our question is, how long, how long before enough is enough? As it is, we have enough heartbreak stories to fill the Congressional Library. That's from Broken American Dream. And that wasn't, uh, actually, that was kind of bipartisan. Yeah. Or nonpartisan. Yeah. Basically, how long are we going to put up with idiots? Uh, Let's see. So far forever, John says, illegal loans, so charge 50% interest. I think that's against the law. I, I believe, well, is it? Yeah, well, there is. There's something called the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, and it is the law of the land. And uh, it uh, makes it against the law. You, you can't discriminate against anybody for uh, uh, national origin, for one, uh, race, color, religion, sex, marital status. Uh, age, even, I mean, they have to be old enough to uh, be able to sign a contract, but once they are, you can't discriminate. Um, and this was signed by what president, do you think? Couldn't tell you. Yes. Don't know. Top of your head. 
Can Abraham you, Lincoln. Can you name a president? No, it was not Abraham Lincoln. George but it, Washington. But it was Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford. Mm-hmm. 1974. Now the, now, the one thing that you mentioned there that they can't, when you were talking about the things you can't discriminate for, mm-hmm. uh, not being a U.S. citizen was not listed there, if you notice. Uh, national origin was. National origin is, but not, not being a U.S. citizen. That's two different things. Well, they still don't, though. Most banks will loan money to basically anybody with a good credit rating. Well, apparently not, or the Biden administration wouldn't have to set out the threatening letter to banks to, 